electrician and perhaps the person that you called wasn't available or maybe you didn't even know who to call. And so you just put out the word on, on your Facebook page, hey, has anyone ever used someone that they like in a particular area? You may have done that or you may have seen people do that uh, because they are looking for quality people. Finding the right people to do the jobs sometimes is difficult. You really aren't sure, is this person reputable? Does he, does he charge too much? And so you get the feedback of other people. There is a service. Has anyone familiar with Angie's List? Now it's just shortened to Angie. And she, she was the first person that I remember who said there are a lot of people in this position who are looking for handymen or or uh, pediatricians, and so she compiled recommended professionals in these various areas, and then you could go to Angie's List, and you could find the people who were in your area, in your geographical location, the people who were the most highly rated, and you could say, well, that's a person maybe that I would like to, to use. That's a person that I would like to visit or to have uh, come do this work for me. And so those positions, uh, are, those services are really important. Jerry mentioned earlier our church has got a search consultant who's helping us find just the right pastor to be here. That's an important service because finding the right people is important. This morning, I want us to look at Jesus' choosing his 12 disciples. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 3. This Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to look at this exact same passage talking about the disciples that Jesus chose this morning. Specifically, we're going to talk about the men that Jesus chose, that chose the diversity of the people that Jesus chose. And then next week, we're going to look at what he called them to do. And so in Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13... Mark chapter 3, verse 13, Mark wrote for us, Jesus went up the mountain, and he summoned those that he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles to be with him, to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gave the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee, and to his brother John he gave the name Bornergis. That is, sons of thunder, they had very passionate personalities. Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So Jesus, was a, Jesus already had been doing a great deal of work before he called these disciples. He already had been preaching and teaching. He already had been announcing the kingdom of God is here. He began dropping hints that one day he was going to die on a cross for our sins, be buried and rose again on the third day so that we could be forgiven of our sins and have brand new life. And so Jesus already had begun doing some work, but now he was at the point in his progression that he wanted to invite people to join him. He wanted 12 individuals to join him in the work that he was doing. Mark doesn't record this detail for us, but Luke did in his account of this passage. The Bible tells us that Jesus went up on a mountaintop and he prayed all night long. He didn't sleep at all that evening. He knew that the decision he was going to make about the men that he would call to be his disciples was very important. And so he spent all night, the entire evening, praying. And then the following morning, 
he invited these 12 men to be his disciples. I'd like us to think briefly just for a moment about why did Jesus call these 12 men? Why did Jesus call these 12? One of the reasons is because they were available. They lived at the specific time and in the particular location where Jesus was at that time. If you thought about this, if Peter had been born 30 years earlier, he probably would not have been a candidate for Jesus' uh, discipleship ministry. If Peter had been born at the exact same time that he was born, but he had been born in Rome, Italy, or maybe in Spain, if he had been born in Asia Minor, even though he would have lived at the contemporary time with Jesus, he would not have been in the right location for Jesus to call him to be a disciple. And so Jesus was able to call these people because they were in the right place at the right time. And I think it's important for us to understand that we are in the right place at the right time for God to accomplish his purposes in our lives. If in his infinite wisdom and knowing all possibilities, if God had been able to look down through the centuries and say, I could use this person, any of us, at a different point in history more effectively than he could use us now, then that's when we would have been born. If God looked at us and said, you know what, they, that, this person would be more effective if they lived in the 1700s, then God would have had us born in the 1700s rather than uh, you know, 2004 or 1978 or in some cases 1811. And so if, if God could have used us better at any point in history more than he could use us now, then that's when we would have been born instead of when we were born. If God could have used us in any geographical location better than he could use us right here now. If, if God could say, I could really use this person more effectively if I were to cause them to be born in Russia or Nigeria or Brazil. Then God would have arranged circumstances for us to be born there. We are where we are because God has ordained, he has orchestrated so that he can use us to maximum benefit for his kingdom and to his maximum glory because he has placed us here. It's important for us to know there is not one person here by accident. Nobody is here just because of biology. No one is here just because your mom and dad decided that they wanted to have a child. No one is here just because their mom and dad decided, hey, first one didn't turn out so good. Let's try to have another child. That's why some of you have 11 brothers and sisters. Because your parents were going to keep trying until they had a decent uh, child. We are here where we are because God has ordained that we be here now. We can fulfill God's purposes for our lives the same way that these 12 individuals did. Because God has us in the right place at the right time to accomplish what he desires in our lives. Nobody by accident, nobody just random or, or happenstance. We are here because God has placed us here. With that in mind, I want us to look at two different pairs of disciples to show us the diversity of the types of people that Jesus uses. It takes all kinds to accomplish his work. 
Mark wrote for us. In fact, Luke did also. In fact, really all of the Gospels except John did recorded this list of all 12 individuals. But not all 12 of these men are prominent in the Gospels. Peter and Andrew, uh, James and John, but some of the others are a little bit lesser. And you might wonder, well, why, why do we have all 12 of these names here? Keep in mind that, that the people who first read what Mark wrote for us would have known many of these men. They would have known them personally. Maybe they had bought fish from them. Maybe they had paid taxes to Matthew. And so they would have been able to look at this list and say, now that's an odd assortment. Those men are all different. They're not all the same. They have their own unique traits and characteristics and personalities. They're not all cookie-cutter individuals that all are exactly the same. As I look through this list, that those people might say, I notice that there is a great diversity here in the types of people that Jesus uses. And I would like us to compare two sets of two couples of disciples to show you just an example of what I'm talking about. The first pair that I would like to contrast is Peter and John. Now, I want you to think in your mind about some things that you know about Peter from the Gospels. As you start rolling through the biography that we have of Peter, you probably remember that he was a fisherman. But then there are some other scenes. In fact, we sang the song Oceans that had a reference to Peter. There was a night when all of Jesus' disciples were in a boat. They were rowing to the other side of the lake. Jesus began walking on the water. They, all of the disciples were terrified, thinking that what they saw walking on the water was a ghost. Jesus identified himself. Peter boldly said, Jesus, if that's really you, then I want to come out to where you are. I don't want to stay in this boat. I want to walk on the water where you are. And Jesus said, come right on. There was another occasion where Jesus had all of the disciples gathered together. And he said, men, you're kind of going to the post office and the grocery stores. When you hear people talking about me, who do they say that I am? And the disciples said, well, some people think that you're Elijah who's been reincarnated because of the miracles that you are performing. Some people think that you are John the Baptist because of the passion and, and fieriness of your sermons. Some people think you're Jeremiah because you're very compassionate and tenderhearted and, and the sinfulness of people breaks your hearts. And Jesus said, okay, now we've determined who other people think that I am. Who do you say that I am? And I picture the scene being like, Classrooms when teachers ask a question and students don't know the answer. <laughs> but Peter spoke up and he said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and empowered them, they spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming the good news that 2,000 years later we're, we're still declaring Jesus saves. And in all of the confusion, people began scratching their heads and saying, what, what does this mean? These people are speaking languages that I know they have never learned, and yet we understand them. What is happening here? Peter was the one who stood up and said, let me tell you what's going on here. Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's giving new life. Who wants to turn to him? All of those scenes that I had mentioned indicate that Peter was an outgoing person, that he, that he didn't mind being the center of attention, that he didn't mind putting himself out there. In fact, he sort of seemed to enjoy that. 
He seemed to be the, the type of person that regardless of the, the spotlight that was on him, he did not mind being in the spotlight. And you may be a person just like that. You may be a person who's extremely extroverted, never met a stranger, could, could have a conversation with anybody that walked into this building. You would, be out of, you would go out of your way to welcome someone that, that doesn't seem familiar to you. You've seen those types of extroverted, outgoing people that, that are, enable, are able to do those types of ministry. You know those extroverted people when they come into a room because you hear them before you see them. They come in and their voices are loud. You go, I know Jillian's here. I hear that laugh somewhere. Men and women extroverted people do things differently. Extroverted men, when they see somebody else, they go up and slap, slap another person on the stomach and say, man, get in here. You're getting uglier every day. You haven't got any hair on your head. You're weighing about 400 pounds now. Women don't do that. <laughs> extroverted women do not come in and say, Hazel. Like a cow, sister. They don't do that. You know, they, they have a different. When women extroverts see each other, they go, I'm so glad to see you. And they kind of act that way. But still, you know that type of person that is that is very outgoing, very extroverted. And so if there were a high-profile position in the church, maybe we need somebody to greet, maybe we need someone to, to welcome. There, there are uh, positions that would require these people to have some attention on themselves, and they say, I don't mind that at all. That, that's exactly the kind of thing that energizes me. Do you need someone to read scripture? Do you need someone to do this? I will be glad to do that. That's exactly the type of person that Peter was. And so if you're that type of person, it's important to know that Jesus has a place to use you. He used Peter. But Jesus did not call 12 disciples like Peter. He only called one. Jesus also called John. John seems to, be, seems to have been much more reserved. You don't see John saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You don't see John saying, Jesus, I want to walk with you on the water. John seems to have preferred to serve Jesus faithfully but not as much in the high-profile positions, but in the behind-here positions. John wrote five books in the New Testament. He wrote the very last book, the Revelation. And then we have those three skinny little books toward the end, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And then he wrote the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John has 21 different chapters in it where John reported his insights as he followed Jesus around. But do you know in those 21 chapters, John never mentions his own name a single time. Do you know the most common way that John referred to himself in the Gospel of John? You might be tempted to say the disciple that Jesus loved. And John did refer to himself in the Gospel of John as the disciple that Jesus loved, but that's not the most common way that he referred to himself. The most common way that John referred to himself in the Gospel of John is the other disciple or another disciple. That's pretty anonymous. Not even mentioning his own name. Well, Peter did this and another disciple helped him. 
John preferred, apparently, to say, Jesus, I want to be just as faithful in serving you as Peter is. But I don't want to be up in front of people. I, I don't want to be in a position where everyone is looking at me. And some of you may be like John. You may say, do you need someone to come through here and pick up all of the bulletins? I'll be glad to do that. Do you need someone who can kind of organize a meal for someone who's sick? Yes, I'll be glad to do that. I don't ever want to read scripture. I don't ever want to stand at the door and shake hands with people. But I want to be just as faithful in serving as the high-profile people. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that the Peters are the best servants simply because their personalities are a little bit larger. But if you look toward the end of the Gospels, when Jesus was hanging on the cross dying for our sins, there was only one disciple near enough for Jesus to say, please take care of my mother. And that was John. So no doubt, Jesus uses the outgoing extroverted people like Peter. But he only called one Peter. Jesus also says, in no less way and, in, and with no less effectiveness, I will also use the Johns. The people who say, look, I, I, I get terrified if I have everybody looking at me. Let me do something where no one is looking at me. Jesus says, I've got a place for you too. And so that's one set of disciples that I want to contrast. The other set of disciples that I want to contrast is Nathaniel, who in this passage is called Bartholomew, and Thomas. Now, many of the disciples, in fact, many of the Bible characters had dual names in the New Testament because they lived in different cultures. Nathaniel is a Jewish name. The E-L at the end of it lets you know that that is a Jewish name. The L part means, God, I, I have forgotten exactly what Nathaniel means, but when you read Daniel... Samuel. Samuel means God heard me. And so that little E-L has a significance to the name of God. So Nathaniel probably was the name that his mom and dad gave him when he was born. But since he lived in a culture with Romans and Greeks, he probably picked up this name, or Bartholomew, to do work in, in business with them. And so here he's called Bartholomew, but in other places he's called Nathaniel. The way that Nathaniel became a follower of Jesus Christ is his either very close friend or perhaps cousin or brother, Philip, encountered Jesus. And when he did, his soul was set on fire. He said, I have found the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for all, all of our lives. And so immediately he went outside of town where Nathaniel was propped up underneath a tree, resting in the shade. Philip went to him. And he said, we have found the, the Christ is Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel raised his eyebrow and said, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That, that's a hick town. That, is, that cannot be where the Messiah is living. And Philip said, just come and see. And so when Nathaniel started walking over to where Jesus was in town, Jesus looked at him. And said, now there is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And I picture Nathaniel saying, 
Are you talking about me? We've never met. You've never seen me. He said, well, no, you've never seen me, but I saw you. I saw you when you were sitting under the tree before Philip ever even talked to you. And Nathaniel immediately said, you are the Messiah. I will sign up to follow you right now. Jesus said, is that all it takes for you to believe? That one little, quote, miracle, you are going to see far greater works than these. Nathaniel was very quick to believe. At the very first sign that Jesus is the Messiah, Nathaniel immediately said, I am joining up with you. And your story may be like that. God saved me when I was a 12-year-old boy. And throughout my life, I, I have never tried to, to run from God or, or you know, I, I never went through a wild period. At, as a child, the first moment that I sensed Jesus speaking to me, I, I responded. When I read in the Bible, if, if, it, if the Bible says that a great big fish Swallow Jonah, I believe that's exactly what happened. I, I read the Bible and don't have, don't have struggles believing it. And your story may be that way. You may have grown up in church and say, that is my pattern too. I was very, very quick to believe. Some disciples are like that. But there also was Thomas. Now you tell me, what is the adjective that is put in front of Thomas's name? Doubting. And he gets that nickname because after Jesus was raised from the dead, Thomas said, I can't believe unless I see him. We may have some Thomases in the room. There may be some people who wrestle with, how do we even know that there is a God? And if there is a God, how do we know that we are right? There are all kinds of people in the world who are very religious. They're just as sincere about their beliefs as we are about ours. How do we know that we are right? Maybe you go through this and say, I just don't know how Lazarus came out of the tomb. I, I mean, a body is dead and, and they stay dead. And your path to faith has had more detours and windings. And you say, I just don't know how I can believe that. The good part is that Jesus chose Thomas too. He didn't simply say, I'm only going to take the Nathaniels who at first instant believed. He said, I'll also take the people like Thomas who take a while to believe. Now it's important to understand that Thomas got to That's the important thing. We have to get to the point where we trust. But sometimes the path is a little more winding. And Jesus uses those people too. You may be a Nathaniel. You may be a Thomas. And Jesus says, I've got, I've got work for you to do. You can come join me. Not one person in this room lives at this time and in this place by accident. We're in the pool of people that God intends to use here and now to accomplish his purposes. 
and the differences in our personalities, our strengths and weaknesses, what, what we do well, what we're really passionate about, all join together in the church to help God advance his kingdom. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. And musicians are going to come and lead us in a closing song of commitment. And I'll be standing here at the front for just a moment in case there are people who have some questions about beginning to follow Jesus. Maybe you are currently a follower, follower of Jesus, but you would like your own discipleship to deepen. Perhaps you have maybe heard God say to you today, hey, I have, I have designed you in a specific way, and I want you to utilize those gifts and abilities in serving me, but you're not exactly sure how to plug in in serving. I'll be glad to explore that with you. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing together. Philip's going to lead us.